Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hard In My Take, the number one podcast on TheDreamShake.com home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Jeremy Brenner here, and today, Michael Brown, we've got a lot to talk about in regards to this new season. Is it going to be a 2020 start, 2021 start? When's free agency? When's, you know, we are basically looking at this offseason now and seeing where it's going to take us. Yeah, this is... This is going to impact a lot of things. Um, I was hopeful a couple of weeks ago that a Christmas start date, I mean, that's optimal, right? I mean, if you really think about it, you know, the NBA, there's been two dates talked about by you and I and globally, I think, and that's Martin Luther King Day as a start or Christmas Day. Um, the December 22nd start date that was announced this week is – 
impactful. We were talking about it before the show that, you know, in five weeks you're going to do free agency, the draft. And what was the other thing we talked about? And the start of the season, training camp, basically. Right. I mean, the season just ended, what, two weeks ago? Two, three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Two, three weeks ago, you're going to go to the Lakers and you're going to go to the Heat and say, yeah, we're starting in six weeks. I don't know. I don't know if it's doable. We have to talk through it and some other things. And this impacts the Rockets, uh, not just the NBA as a whole, but the Rockets don't have a head coach right now. And you want, and as Rockets fans, we want the season to start in six weeks. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, so there's, there's a whole lot of things going into this. So obviously, let's talk about the reasons why starting in that final sec, or that second to last week of December – makes sense for these teams. So why so let's talk about it from the owner's perspective on why it makes sense. First of all, the sooner you start, the more games you get in. And the owners knowing they're going to lose a lot of revenue, I think there was a an expected one and a half billion dollars lost in revenue this year. And now the owners have to use this upcoming season as a way to get some of that back. And the way you do that is by having as many games as possible. I don't know if 82 games is likely, but 72 games is pretty close. And, you know, when the season started, um, when 2011, when they had the lockout season, they had 66 games. So that is pretty impressive. Um, But, you know, so they're trying to have more games than that starting at pretty much the exact same time. So this would be a win for owners here, starting as soon as you can to try to get as many games as you can. Well, you, you look at the, the tweet from Shams uh, on October 23rd, NBA League office informed Board of Governors of projected value of teams and players with December 22nd start versus later more than $500 million. That's, well, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I mean, it's more money than you and I are ever going to see in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one thing that you have to ask though is let's say they do start on the 22nd i feel fairly confident that there's a very low likelihood of a vaccine by december 22nd number one number two even if there is a vaccine how quickly is it going to get out to people and how many people can you expect to put into a basketball stadium i mean yeah so the idea of so that's the con for owners for starting uh, so soon is that you don't get to have fans in the arena, and I think that is why we thought that a December start date was just too ambitious. Because yes, it's very unlikely that you're going to put you know a, a large amount of people in uh, in a small space like that, like in a basketball arena. Like, I don't think Toyota Center is getting 16,000 people uh, in the year 2020. Uh, maybe in 2021, uh, probably in 2022, but definitely not in the year 2020. Um, but, yeah, that, but that's the con yeah. of starting so uh, early, I guess. I think Tillman's going to push the envelope, and if the league allows him fans, he's going to try and put fans – not try. He w- If the NBA allows fans in any capacity, he's going to put – Whatever the league allows him to, he's going to try and put into the stadium. But if you're a Tillman, you then have to look at what is the – not just Tillman. What Every owner in the league has to look at what is 
my cost of having fans at the stadium and what it, what type of money is it going to generate? Yes, ticket sales are great, but you know, you're going to have to pay people to work. You're going to have to do a lot of different things. And if having 4,000 fans at Toyota Center makes him money, then he'll do it. If not, he won't. That's true. But also, like, I think we're using the NFL as an example. And so, like, if we look at the NFL, the NFL has very few chances to make money because of how few games they host. So every game is crucial in terms of their overall uh, revenue build because they can only have so many games, therefore so many fans come to the stadium every year. Whereas the NBA, you're hosting 40 games a year on a normal year, and you know you have m- a lot of opportunities to generate revenue. And I think it's kind of odd that the NFL has kind of allowed organizations to kind of make their own decisions. And I'm not exactly sure if the NBA is going to be as uni- as as kind of divided on this. I think that the NBA is honestly going to be very unified uh, to control, like, because it would be kind of an unfair advantage. To me, I believe that it would be somewhat of an unfair advantage that a team like the Rockets, because I'll tell you this, if, they, if fans are allowed, if Adam Silver allows that option to happen, I do think the Rockets will be one of the first teams to allow fans because Texas has been extremely uh, lax in terms of uh, coronavirus restrictions compared to the rest of the country, I'd say. Like, like you're not going to see fans in Madison Square Garden. You're not going to see fans in Staples Center or in the Chase Center. Uh, you're you're not gonna see, but you might in in cities like like Houston with so many people and with somewhat lax restrictions. Uh, you probably could see fans in 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 the two Florida stadiums. Um, you probably see fans in like like I, I could see cities. I could get to see San Antonio maybe. Um, but I also think that it's important that the owners are kind of all in this together on some on. A specific thing because also if you start the season that will generate a lot of buzz and what also will generate buzz is when you're allowing fans uh that like the first day where you're allowing fans you can have like a fan appreciation day or a fan appreciation week and i think that will also you know generate a lot of uh buzz as well well the yes you are right the the difference is the nfl I'll give you a perfect example in, uh, with the Saints. The NFL has said, you can have fans. We're not, we're not telling you that you can't do it. But the, the mayor of, uh, of New Orleans was like, yeah, nah, fam. Like, you're not allowing fans. That's why they're potentially looking into going to play in Baton Rouge. So I think the league needs to be unified, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be a league-wide mandate of this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. Look. Right now, if you if you're Tillman, you got to hire a coach. Uh, you just you need to. And I get it. I read an article this week uh, on Rockets Wire of the Rockets can take their time finding a coach. It's like no, they can't. If yeah, they they can't if the season starts in you know two months. Right, and that's why I have been so frustrated and loudly vocally on this show saying hire a freaking coach man mm-hmm. because you need you need to have that in these types of times you need stability you need 
a unified front of these are our people. This is what we're going to do. This is a big offseason. And not just looking at it from the Rockets' perspective, right? If the league starts in six weeks, is this really the roster you're going to go to war with? Because I don't think it is. Yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of um, – you have to make quick decisions and you have to be right in those decisions. And right. so another con, I guess, for – yeah, so like – Teams, there are a lot of teams that would benefit from having a season start. But, yeah, there are a lot of teams that wouldn't. Another example that I've seen is the Toronto Raptors. They play their basketball games north of the border. And yep. currently, right now, Canada to U.S. travel is uh, restricted. Uh, and only only essential travel can happen. And uh, they've looked into playing... Um, their games, I saw an article a couple days ago in Louisville, in, in Kentucky, which would be huge for all of the, the Louisville, um, you know, NBA expansion people that want a team there. Um, but if you can have fans, like, would it be entirely fair for, um, for all the other teams to have fans, but then you have Toronto playing their games in uh, to a completely different city and you're forcing all of the players to kind of congregate there. Like it's one thing if um, like, it's one thing if like the, this happened to the blue Jays in, in major league baseball, they had to play their games in Buffalo, which, but there was also a no fans. So it didn't really impact everything. We're not entirely sure if that's going to be the case in the NBA. And, Another thing to add, like, it was two months. The the Major League Baseball season was, you know, for all intents and purposes, two months. This NBA season is going to be from December to July. Can you really tell the Raptors, who are one of the NBA's, you know, top contenders for an NBA championship, sorry, you're going to have to play all your games in a completely new country for six months. I don't know. Well... You have two options then. Don't play or adapt. These types of situations, maybe not as on a grand scale as what you just described, but there there are teams, programs that get screwed, honestly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Pac-12. You don't want to play football, then they don't want to play football. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... You go to Toronto. To me, instead of Louisville, this is very easy. Send them to Seattle. Yeah. The fact that Seattle doesn't have a team is just is wrong. Yeah, I mean, the, Seattle like, is Seattle is an interesting idea, but if you're going to have them play an Eastern Conference schedule, having them in Seattle would not be a very good idea. Yeah, that's, that's oh, a real... But I, like, for all the... Like, I know... You know the NBA wants to get back to Seattle, um, but... I, that's the only thing, like, but are you, I mean, you could move, like, you could maybe move the Raptors to the Western Conference for a season. That'd be crazy if you move the Raptors to the Western Conference, but I don't think that's, I don't think that has any real possibility of actually happening. Um, yeah. But let's but look at this from the player's perspective now, uh, starting this season in December. Um, what is the pros, Mike, of, for the players in starting in December? You get paid to play basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I hate to make it sound so simplistic, but it's, if you're the players and you want to make money, 
then you got to play basketball. And if the league, you know, there's the, the Olympics next, uh, you know, July, I believe. Yeah. You have the Olympics to think about. Uh, It's a lot of basketball. It, It really is a ton of basketball to put on these guys, but that's why you have the players union. And that's why you elect representatives of your, your fellow players to, to bargain for you and say, look, either we're going to do this or we're not going to do this. Ultimately, I think the ultimate pro is I think these guys realize what they give society. You know, they, they realize their impact on society because it impacts a lot of things. You know, they realize that they're not stupid. Um, they realize what they can bring to day-to-day society. So I think that's a pro. Another pro is the money. I guess my third pro would be, uh, I don't know. I think that's it. I'll, I'll throw in one. I'll throw in one. How about this? So, I mean, for the teams that, you know, hadn't been playing since September, the, the sooner you start, the better, in my opinion, just because the, the less rust you have. However, this also kind of turns into a con because I think it's going – look. I've talked about this draft class on the show at least once or twice, um, but I'll say this. This is one of the most – this is one of the poorest draft classes we've seen in a while. And I don't know if we're seeing that. I don't know if I'm saying that because a lot of these guys uh, didn't really play college basketball. They played overseas, so I, I don't know enough of their game. I think that's kind of where draft classes are heading, though. We're going to see a lot more guys that – are playing overseas, whether they be uh, international players like uh, Denny Avija from Israel um, or guys like LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton that played in Australia before coming to the NBA. Um, But I don't know, like this, like we've talked about, like this draft class is not like, you know, wowing me. And you're telling these guys, okay, you're going to get drafted at Thanksgiving and you got to be ready for an NBA game by Christmas. The, you're like you're going to be throwing these guys out there, you know. Usually for rookies, they get four months to acclimate them into whatever system they're in, and now you're giving these guys four weeks. I don't know. Like that to me puts those teams that are rebuilding at somewhat of a disadvantage because you can't exactly you utilize your rookies and develop them, and and to an extent, your your free agents. They're, they're going to have to learn on the fly. They're going to have to learn real quick. And that's like, to me, it's more about the rookies though, because the rookies are going to teams that are rebuilding anyway. So I think what we're going to see is the teams that are rebuilding are going to stay rebuilding after this year. They are not going to be playing extremely good basketball, at least in the first half of the year, maybe give them a half a season and wait for the rookies to develop. And we'll see. Um, but that's a, that's a con as well as like, it's a pro and a con as well. It's a backhanded compliment, I guess. Um, I I don't know if that made total sense, but, uh, that, that's a reason why it'd be bad. Um, if, if the league were to start this soon for the players. Well, you look at the draft, I think there's a potential for a lot of good role players. I don't think there's one superstar in this draft as a whole. Yeah. I think, I think we could see some of these guys have like, decent careers i'm not like i'm not too thrilled with the star quality in this draft 
I mean, LaMelo Ball is probably the closest one just because he's already a household name. Um, he's probably the most well-known uh, draft prospect in this draft. But that's also the thing, too, is, is are we saying this because we don't know a whole lot about these guys? Most of these guys either played overseas or played an abbreviated college basketball season. I mean, Obi Toppin is probably the best prospect from uh, Division One college basketball, um, or Anthony uh, Anthony Edwards, but also Obi Toppin played a lot longer in college, um, and his team was more successful than Anthony Edwards was. On a draft note, I think Lamelo Ball is going to be a complete bust, uh, but that's another conversation for a different day. Um, I think I think more than the draft, though, I think free agency and the trade route for teams is going to be so much more vital. You know, who's going to make a move? Like you said, cough, cough, Rockets, first year, you know, GM, still don't have a head coach. Um, you know, it, it's important. It's, I want basketball back as badly as, as anybody. I, to me though, if you're, if you're going to start, but any time between December 22nd and Martin Luther King Day, to me, I actually think earlier the better. Because what's the, what's the difference really between those two dates? Is there really any? The difference is, you know, a month's worth of games. Right. And, and probably, the only- Like, okay, so if, if the Tokyo Olympics start July 23rd, you're looking at a season that – Look, and they're not going to go up until July 23rd. They'll probably go until uh, maybe July 4th. Let's just use July 4th as a as a like a a date, a tentative date. So you're saying let's get. So they'll probably have playoffs go until. And so I'm trying to think like logically here. So if the playoffs usually go until. From mid-April to mid-June, you're looking at all of June and all of July as playoffs. Or, no, all of May and all of June as playoffs. So you're looking at ending the season around April 30th. So about two weeks later, that takes away about a couple of games. Ten, like, that takes away a few games. You're probably going to have to cram in some games. Another thing also we haven't thought about is there going to be an all-star game this year? No. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put my money on it. Um, I, I mean, I, it would be nice to have an all-star game. I think, uh, you know, last year's all-star game was uh, very thrilling. Um, and I'm sure that they would want to have an all-star game. Um, I think there was like a revitalization of, of the all-star game of last year. Um, but... It doesn't seem very logical, um, given all travel restrictions and everything. Um, so you're talking about 72 games, cramming it in a season, no real true all-star break. Maybe they'll have a week off, but not necessarily an all-star weekend. Um, but, I mean, do you think that's plausible? No. Or maybe they go until, like, July 5th or, like, because they would need like two weeks of training camp for, um, they would need like two weeks of training camp for like to me seventy two games sounds like too much. I, I don't see how they're going to get seventy two games from December to July, not including playoffs. So I, 
they'd probably have to go from July to end of April and then two months of playoffs. Like, I don't see how that's possible. Yeah, I don't think so. But I think on the other hand, if, the, if these guys want to play in the Olympics, they will. If they don't, they don't. I mean, they could do a lot of interesting things with the Olympic team next year. They could go, you know, guy lower. I'm trying to think of the best way to, to put this. First of all, you don't, we don't even know if the Olympics are going to happen. Okay, let's let's be transparent with yeah. I mean, I think they will, but it's not a guarantee. And if you're the NBA, you have to put NBA operations first and foremost. Agree. Say, I think if I've been thinking about this for a while, why in the world first round matchups are seven games long? I think is ridiculous. Because of money, Mike. Well, I mean, OK, yes, but most of these series don't go more than five games anyway. Mm-hmm. Most I I, well, I would the Rockets the Rockets back to differ. Yes, the Rockets <laughs> to differ. But if they had their, their second best player, they wouldn't have the gone for to differ. Okay, I get your point. I'm just saying that if you went to these teams, especially this year, that's the thing that coronavirus has done. It's taken just sports wise because we don't need to go beyond. It's changed the world, but mostly in sports. You're going to have to adapt, adapt or die, basically. You know, if that's what the NCAA or college football has done. That's what baseball had to do. That's what basketball is doing. It's going to change forever. That's something I would not hate to see is the first round matchup go to five games. It's so much more exciting basketball than the seven game route, I think. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. And look, I feel like after this year and with all of this COVID stuff, nothing's off the table. Um, I I do think, though, that 72 games, what that's going to do if you go from December to the end of April with 72 games, you're going to see a lot of guys sitting out games for load management, especially the teams that were in the bubble until you know september october in the case of uh you know the lakers and the heat and that's not good for basketball um so i don't know if 72 games i don't think that's a number that the players are going to agree to i think that's the start of the proposal but i think that the players if they set i think the players would rather sacrifice um a couple of games to benefit their health so here's a proposal that I've seen, you know, going around that does make a lot of sense, um, is 58, 58 games. That is literally, you play every team twice, 58 games. Okay, one well, home, me... one away. I think that's a, that, that could be the end solution, Mike, because it, it, sounds, it sounds very uniform, sounds very fair. Not too many games. They could definitely. I think they could fit fifty-eight games between December and the end of April. But if you're going to do fifty-eight, why not sixty-two? Because it's two teams. It's it's every team you play them twice. It's uniform. Yeah. It's, it's basic. I get. I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, fifty-eight. And maybe and maybe that's what the owners would counter with. Oh, maybe we can do sixty-two. That's 
uh, one more game against every one of your divisional opponents. Um, and that might, that might get people, you know, that might be okay with the players. Yeah. We'll see. I, I don't, I don't know, man, this, uh, look, I think there's enough, I think there's enough here that they're going to start the season sometime between December December 1 of 2019 and or 2020, 2020, good Lord, uh, in 2021, you know, into January, they're going to start somewhere in there. I am curious to how this is going to impact teams because you got to think about, you know, teams like the Clippers that load managed Kawhi Leonard. You know, what is if they're going to get back this quickly, how many teams are going to load manage their guys? You know, the Rockets going to do it even more so with Russell Westbrook. Maybe, maybe not. Is Harden load managed? Uh, I don't know. Because I think that's the last thing the NBA wants is to get all this, this season together, get all the specifics, you know, and get the season started and then have these teams say, well, you rushed us back, you know, just to let you know, we're not going to play LeBron James. We're not going to play Kawhi Leonard, Durant. You know, what is Kevin Durant's? season look like next year coming mm-hmm. off the injury that he had yeah you know they have the, to the nba season has the um has the potential to be really exciting especially if there are fewer games because that means that every game matters just that much more because um and with the return of uh steph curry and clay thompson with the return of kevin durant with with a new team um, and, you know, with LeBron looking for ring number five, there's a lot of potential for excitement to be on this season. And I just, like, they need, to, they need to get it right. I do have faith, though, that they will, because they had such good faith um, negotiations with um, the bubble and with the, uh, with the boycotts that were taking place in the bubble. They were eventually able to get past all of it. And that, to me, sees that there is good faith between the owners and the players in the NBA. Much better than in the NFL and much better in than the, the Major League Baseball. Because they've had, a lot to, they've had a lot of hurdles to get through. And they've gotten through every one so far. And I think that's why basketball popularity is kind of at a all-time high, I feel like. I mean, maybe, like, to me, and you're also, another thing, too, with the revenue, they're going to get a revenue boost because I do believe China is going to uh, start broadcasting games again. They did broadcast at least one, maybe two finals games, I saw. And maybe now that Daryl Morey is uh, no longer in the NBA, maybe there will be uh, more of a likelihood that, uh, China will air these basketball games. So I do think that the revenue will increase even even if there are only, you know, 50-ish games uh, in the season. Yeah, you bring up a really good point about the revenue because it got me thinking about this. What do you think happens to free agency money-wise for some of these guys? Because I don't think we're going to see a lot of those major contracts, you know, being given out for the simple. Well, yeah. Um, but also simple, I think 
that think, also has to do with the fact that there aren't a lot of max guys in free agency this year. Um, and, and that's also true. Like, you're asking someone to play – you're not going to pay the same salary for someone uh, to play 50 or so games than to play 80 or so games. So, I mean, if we look at the free agents here, the only one that's really going to garner, I think, a max deal is Anthony Davis. Um, but there are guys, too, that, uh, that will garner a lot of money. Uh, Gordon Hayward, DeMar DeRozan is a player option that uh, he may or may not opt out of. Um, you know, Hassan Whiteside's a free agent. He made $24 million last year. I don't think he'll make that again. Paul Millsap made $30 million last year. He's not going to make that much again. But, um, I mean, like, but guys like Danilo Gallinari, guys like Serge Ibaka, they're going to make a lot of money in free agency. Probably what you'll see, though, is assuming that, you know, after this season we'll go back to, you know, starting in mid-October, ending in, in mid-April um, with 82 games. I think what you're, you're going to see a lot of backloaded deals. Um, and you also might only see like small term deals, especially for a lot of these guys that are going to make a lot of money, but they're in their early, early thirties. So like Serge Bach is 31, Danelle Gallinari is 32. Like you may see guys like that sign a two year deal with a player option after uh, the season. Um, right. Things That's like that. Cause then they can go into free agency again and, you know, sign their last contract and be on their merry way to retirement. Right. You know, a guy like Fred Van Fleet pops to mind where he's, I mean, in a non-COVID-related year, Fred Van Fleet is go- would get paid. Because I think he's in Toronto. I don't think he's staying in Toronto. Really? Uh, yeah, I think he's going to the Knicks. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah. guy, you know, how I, like in Toronto. I think he, I don't know. That, that's interesting. But move forward. How this impacts the Rockets is – I'll give you a perfect example. Is a guy like Sergi Baca. Could the Rockets basically get him on a shorter term type of deal, you know, to basically have him on the team for the end of Harden's contract, still allows him to go get one more deal after the Rockets? Can the, can the Rockets use this situation that the players are in to their benefit with a guy like that? Because that, to me, Serge Ibaka is the ideal guy for this team. I, I don't like. I, I didn't even really think about the idea of Serge Ibaka coming to the Rockets, but I definitely think there's a chance, especially um, especially with Russ and James there. They're definitely going to recruit him hard. Yep. And he fills a he 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 would fit the team like a glove. Oh, um, I mean, he would. You know, there's there's talks of him. I like the guy that they they released last year, uh, Christian Wood. Uh, there's talks of, of yeah. bringing him in, but I I look at this and I don't really know what's going to happen with these guys. You know, what does Gallinari want? Gallinari posted something on Instagram where he's basically said, "Okay, I'm not going back to Oklahoma City." Um, yeah. You know, how these teams? It's fascinating to think about, and that's what scares me so much about having no head coach right now and a first year GM. You know, what, what is Rafa Stone? 
how is he going to maneuver a situation that nobody has ever dealt with? Because no GM in the league has dealt with a coronavirus, you know, pandemic. Well, maybe that thing. benefits the the Rockets because it, it certainly might because that puts everyone in in a new boat. Every, right. Everyone's in a new everyone's in a new situation. So everyone's a rookie, even our rookie um, in Raphael Stone, our, our new general manager. But yeah, this is like. If if they say you know what we're gonna start the season December, that is going to really make these next couple of weeks very exciting because things are gonna go by super super quick. You're gonna see the draft. You're gonna and I, I honestly think like if they are going to decide December twenty second or whatever December twenty fifth, they're gonna need to decide that like asap because. That's such little time to begin with that, like, it's going to it's going to change everything. I feel. And another thing too that we haven't really mentioned, I think the reason why the players would be okay starting as soon as possible is because they do want to get back on schedule. They do want to give players a summer off, um, and players want that. Um, so I do think that is the benefit. Um, of them starting, but I don't know. Maybe the players would be okay starting on Martin Luther King Day uh, and going, you know, with like a a thirty or so schedule, like thirty fewer games, maybe. Let me so ask like you this: forty-one game or like a forty-game schedule. Here's something that I thought about, and I kind of want to throw into into the wind because I think it makes a lot of sense, um, and it hasn't really been kind of thrown out there yet. Mm-hmm. What? So we know that we're not doing uh, a bubble situation again. Not we're not we're not going back into the bubble. We're gonna have games in our home arenas and whatnot. But here's here's an idea that I that I'm proposing. What if the NBA kind of did what the uh, Major League Baseball did, and they separated their travel by the divisions that they're in. So the West stayed in the West. The Central stayed in the Central. The East stayed in the East. What if we did that in the NBA? So the West stays in the West. The East stays in the East. You're not seeing all these long road trips on each side. So travel is is less uh, is is less strenuous. You're not you're, you kind of limit the um, you, you do limit exposure a little bit because you're not traveling as much as you normally would. I think players would appreciate that. I don't think owners would have too much of an issue with that. You don't. Nec- you can still have the same amount of games, uh, but you would just be limiting where you go and where you travel. I think that makes a lot of sense. I like this idea for the NBA, but it's something that hasn't really been talked about. What do you think about that, Mike? I like the idea. I just don't think there's enough time to implement it. For this year, because you're now you're gonna have well. The more I think about it, the more I like it. I just don't know if the NBA would do that. I don't know. It's interesting. It's very interesting. I will say this: I think it hurts the Rockets if that happens. I think so too. Um, it will make the West even more of a gauntlet because then you can't rely on getting these wins against rebuilding East teams. Um, I also think, I mean, 
it, it does make things kind of interesting. And then in the finals, you're seeing two teams that have never seen each other at all during the season. And they have to like figure each other out. Um, that's just, that's just an idea that I had. Um, I don't think it's going to happen uh, just because I do think that they want, they like that does limit the uh, Kevin Durant versus Steph Curry game that limits the Lakers heat finals rematch. Um, it limits, it limits those East West games that you don't see as often that, you know, could bring in a lot of uh, buzz and excitement. So well, it's all, think about the Western conference next year. Real quick. Mm-hmm. You have stop me when I get to a cupcake game for the Rockets, potentially right. Mm-hmm. Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Thunder, Jazz, Mavericks. Thunder, Thunder, Thunder. Yeah, okay. So I'll give you the Thunder um, as long as they Actually, do. Actually, no, I lied. The Thunder will always play the Rockets tough, I feel like. The Blazers never, you know, always play the Rockets tough. Uh, Memphis is going to be better next year. The Suns are going to be better next year. I think the Spurs are going to suck next year. Yeah. You have the Spurs. I don't think the Kings are going to be very good. The Pelicans, I think, are going to be. Pelicans won't be an easy game because their style uh, is not a good matchup for the Rockets. And then you have, obviously, the Warriors are going to be back. And the last thing, the Timberwolves are number one pick, if they keep it. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, when we don't have a center on the roster. They also have D'Angelo Russell. So the Western Conference is going to be so much more difficult this year. But I'll, get, I'll throw out a crazy idea to you. Because I think in 2020, there's nothing that's off limits, right? Mm-hmm. What if the what if what are the what are the chances I will say that the the NBA says we're going to set out the Olympics? I don't think I don't think they can really. Uh, I, I think that their their plan is they want the players to play in the Olympics. Why wouldn't you? Like it's it brought them so much. The the, the NBA still celebrates the dream team to this day, almost thirty years later. Like I'm not the. The Olympics is good for the NBA, and I don't think, like, ever since they changed the rule 30 years ago, I think they've realized that the, at least the relationship between the NBA and its players is that the Olympics is a privilege, and you need, and it's, a, it's a way to celebrate the game, because, I mean, because you can't just say, like, because it's not just the USA, that you're talking about it's 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 more than that it's it's spain it's um it's slovenia it's uh you know argentina there's like all of the other countries that are represented in the nba that wouldn't be able to play i don't think that would happen i, I think that that would be a made that would be a major step backwards for basketball because what you can like what the olympics are there for is to is to showcase how good the NBA um, can be and how good the rest of the world is at basketball. Because I feel like there's still this sense that America is the greatest in basketball, which I think overall, like, yes, they probably will win the gold in the next Olympics. But you got to keep in mind, like, the last – look, Giannis was the MVP last year, not an American – um, Luka Doncic is probably the next MVP, not an American. Um, you know, Ben Simmons, a first overall pick in 2016, not American. Uh, so there's a lot of guys that are coming into this league, like Denny Avija, 
not American, could be the number one overall pick still. Um, so there's so many, yeah, in Canada, like Canada has so many uh, high profile players now too. Um, so it's, the Olympics is a way to showcase how the NBA really gets the best talent in the world, not just in the, in the United States. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I don't know. I, I do think the goal is to finish by the Olympics. And at this point, the Olympics, um, you know, they could be pushed back. I, I, they could be canceled. Uh, hopefully not. Cause then the world has some real problems. If coronavirus is still restricting us that much in nine months time. But I do believe that this season will end with enough time to start preparing for the Olympics, um, whether that be two to three weeks, something like that. So I guess I do, th- I do think we're going to see an NBA Finals game in June. Yeah. The, so I think what's going to end up happening, they'll get it done right before the Olympics. And I think the caliber of player that will represent the United States of America will just be less. Yeah. You know? I see a lot of players opting out of the Olympics yeah. uh, just because they want their bodies to recover. Yeah. But also it's, it's the Olympics and some players, um, you know, I think we saw that a couple of years ago with the FIBA championships um, where a lot of high profile guys, um, opted out. I want to say it was in 2018 in the World Cup, or no, it was it was it was 2019. 2019. Um, it was in China, and you know the United States didn't even make it to the semifinal because mm-hmm. that team, uh, albeit a, still a very talented team, it was not the best that America had to offer. Um, and uh, like, let me see if I can pull that team up. Uh, 2019 FIBA World Cup uh, NBA or or USA United States World Cup team. Yeah, so it was. So these were the um, it was Dar- like okay, Donovan Mitchell, uh, J- Jason Tatum, uh, Kemba Walker. That's probably when Kemba Walker decided to uh. You know, Joe, that probably had a lot to do with it. Um, yeah, but Joe Harris was on that team. Yeah, like Joe Harris, Derek White, Harrison Barnes, uh, Mason Plumley. Like this was not the best that America had um, to offer. Uh, there were a lot of so like a lot of the guys that withdrew: uh, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, uh, Eric Gordon. Uh, you know, of, yeah. So a lot of guys that could have been on this team that, that chose not to. But the, the thing is, that's the that's the World Cup team. That wasn't the uh, Olympics. You know, in the Olympics in 2016 in Rio, um, that team was a lot more uh, star-studded, if you will. Um, that team had, you know, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant, uh, you know... T- but also, yeah, there were a lot of guys that did uh, withdraw. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi, LeBron James. Um, you know, so there were a lot of uh, Chris Paul opted out. So there were a lot of guys that could have been on that team that chose not to play. 
Um, and there were other guys too, like Steph Curry, uh, Anthony Davis that were injured, but there, yeah. So also, and, and that team did win gold, uh, in 2016. So not saying that they can't go and win gold again, but I think you saw the quality of players in 2016 for the Olympics was a lot stronger than what we saw in, uh, in China last year for the FIBA world cup. Mm-hmm. So I do think that the, I do think the NBA is, and I also think too that for a lot of foreign players playing in the playing for their national team is incredibly important to them because they live in a country that isn't theirs. It's a way for them to reconnect and to be part of their uh, homeland, make their homeland proud, that kind of thing. Like American players don't feel that really because they, they live in America and they're playing in America. Um, I, I do see like there being a sense of pride for uh, Luka Doncic, for uh, Giannis, for uh, Ben Simmons, like those guys. Like you, you, you hear them talk about where they're from a lot. So I, I think that it's a little bit different for foreign players because they're representing their country that isn't given all the representation like the United States has. But this has kind of turned into an Olympics conversation. We'll have. An Olympics conversation eventually on this show, but uh, let's kind of get back to this, and we'll we'll let's do our final predictions here, Mike. Wh- how many games do you think this? Uh, how many games do you think the season's going to be? And um, when do you think the season will end? And Maybe. we'll w- and add add things if you feel that they are necessary to the conversation. Uh, Fifty-eight. Uh, I think they start. On Christmas Day, December twenty second really doesn't make sense to me. Well, um, I start on Tuesday, and that's a Tuesday. But yeah, yeah, I think first game they should make it on Christmas Day. You know, make it a big spectacle. You know, as a member of the Jewish community, Christmas Day for me is Chinese food and now basketball and going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've kind of dominated Christmas Day in the sports world. Uh, so I think started on Christmas Day. The season will end by the end of June, um, and they'll figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, I think I think the season is going to be. I think they're going to settle for fifty games. I think fifty games is what they're going to eventually settle for. Uh, two games against. Two games against every. Um, let, let me let me do the math here. Fifty games because that's what they did in 1999. So fifty games, you play if you play every team in your conference twice. That's 28 games, and then you get uh, 15 games also in the East. So it's 15, 20. That's 43. Maybe they go 51 games or something like that. 52. Yeah, 52 games. I'll settle for 52 games. Uh, I do think they start. Um, I do think they start on Martin Luther King Day. I just think that there's so much that has to get done, and there's so many teams that aren't in position to start the season two months from now. That I do think that they eventually push for uh, January nineteenth start with Martin Luther King Day, or excuse me, January eighteenth, or maybe even January twelfth. 
because that's the Tuesday before, and they know they like starting on a Tuesday. So sometime they'll start the season sometime between January 12th to the 18th with 50 to 52 games. They go until um, no All-Star break. They go until the end of April, and then they have two months of playoffs ending around July 4th. And then the Olympics start two weeks later. But yeah. it, should, it should be interesting. And then I guess the trade deadline would be like around March. Right around March Madness time. I like it. But yeah, like this is... Uh, it certainly will be interesting. And there is a lot to be done in these next couple weeks. Obviously for me, I, would, I hope that Christmas is the start of the season. Because uh, the more basketball, the better. Um, you know, as much as I love talking basketball in the offseason, uh, it will get monotonous at some point. But I will be more than happy to do it with you, Michael Brown, as always uh, and forever as I do. So I think this is a good place to park the rocket ship. But uh, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at DreamShakeSBN. Give us a like on Facebook if you're over in that neck of the woods. And be sure to check out all of our content throughout this offseason uh, at TheDreamShake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Maybe we'll get our coach this week, Mike. Uh, please be sure to, uh, and, you know, whenever that does happen, which we're expecting this to happen hopefully in the next week or so, uh, we will be giving our uh, emergency pod for whenever this coach is hired. Um, and if not, you can check us out every Monday and Thursday. But be sure to subscribe uh, to wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, the Dream Shake podcast. Uh, Harden my take uh, will be it here through the off season Monday through Thursday uh, or Monday and Thursday, excuse me. Um, and be sure to also follow my co-pilot, Mr. Michael Brown on Twitter at UH big red hat guy. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner, J E R E M Y B R E N E R. Thank you so much for tuning in this episode of Harden my take. And until next time, go Rockets. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from zero to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.